back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com. Radio, 1400, uh, 104.9 FM, 1490 AM, and that'll get you in. Call number down here, 719-1490, 719-1490. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host. We're riding with me this morning, my buddy and co-host, Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. Good morning, Are you going to say good morning? I've got to wake you up. <laughs> yeah, wake me up, please. This morning. <laughs> <laughs> this portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision, 4425 West Ina Road. They're behind Jiffy Lube and a car wash, 744-4454. If you're looking for a good collision center, Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision, 4425 West Ina Road, 744-4454. If uh, you're unfortunate enough to have to have Frontier Towing at 748-1100, pick your vehicle up. And you don't know where to take it because, I mean, after all, the last time you had a wreck was 40 years ago. You might want to write Spectrum, Ina Road, Auto Collisions, number down two on that piece of paper, 744-4454. And I was saying, you know, Jim brought something up that I missed a while ago about uh first thing you'll do is you'll call your neighbor and say, oh, I've, I've crashed my car and I'm okay, or called your wife or something like that. That's if you're conscious. You write down your next of kin or who do you want EMS, Emergency Medical Service, or the Highway Patrol or whoever shows up, first responder, to call in case you're not uh, quite with us so that they will know who to notify, your family member or who you trust that will take care of it uh, in, in a special event like that. So be sure and write that number down, too, and just put uh, – it's called ICE, I-C-E, in case of emergency call. You know, I've got my wife's uh, number on it, and I also have my son's number on it. And so you'll be able to find out who I belong to in case uh, it turns sour on us. So that's another little plus that you want to add to your little card. But uh, Spectrum Under Road Auto Collision, they do excellent work. In fact, I'm getting ready to take my Mustang over and have the interior done now that I've got all the mechanical on it running flawless. And unless something else happens, it won't have a flat tire because I just checked my tires and they're also very new. So uh, that'll that'll be a run over there. Uh, you mentioned Uber a while ago. Don't you have to have an account or something with Uber that you have to have pre-selected? Jim, do you know? Uh, so, you, yeah, you have to have your – if you have Uber, you have to have your the app set up so that you can – so they know where you are and who you are and how they're how you're going to get paid how you're going to pay them um and how they can find you um because they actually ping your phone to find out where you're at and and then yes you have to have all that done and in an emergency situation that may not be the best option you know because oh no odds are you're not going to be thinking about calling Uber at that the, the very for the for for the first five minutes, you might think about it after, but after the fact. Um, but you're asking about whether or not to stay in the vehicle, Jerry. Um, so yeah. So so that's a good question. So you know that's a, a really difficult to answer. Um, if you're on the freeway and you've been in a wreck, you know, depending on the severity of the wreck, um, the freeway is a really really hazardous place. Uh, cars are moving at 
a minimum of 75 miles an hour, usually more like 80 or 90. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you're standing still. There's no hope for you if you're if you're in the car and a, and a truck hits you. I mean, there's there's no there's no hope. Um, so if you exit the vehicle and you're outside, you know, a, you know, far away, or if you are able to get your car off the, you know, off the white line. On the white line is not a good place to be. Five feet over from the white line is a better place, but still not the best place. For example, two weeks ago, one of my guys was out loading a, a vehicle that had broke down. It was between uh, Casa Grande and Picacho. It was the truck was I don't know, like eight feet off the road. The tow truck was eight feet off the road, and the uh, a tractor trailer driving down the road. Now, mind you, this is at night, so we're at night with our flashy lights on, got our you know everything going on. You think you think they could see us, and he probably did because he drove right to us. He drove. So the bed of the tow truck was down, you know, so down like an angle, like a, a forty-five. So it creates a ramp, right? Oh. Pull the truck up. So he pulls the truck. The guy, my driver, got the truck up there. On the on the uh, on the bed, and here comes this tractor trailer who proceeds to drive up the back of the tow truck. I'm not kidding you. Oh my God. Up the back of the tow truck, all one. So so you know, like he wanted to do the ramp and put it up on two wheels and drive it down the road at an angle. You know, on two wheels. Well, or I guess it would oh be you know, nine wheels, right? And so drove up the bed of the tow truck. <laughs> this is, I just, it just blows me away. I just thinking about it, it's just so hilarious. And, you know, I don't know what how what that guy was thinking when he when this actually took place. But this must have been the most eye opening experience on the planet because he, he drove up, you know, like the Duke of the Hazard, and and then the truck drives off the, you know, it gets to the end of the of the bed, right? So he drives off the bed over the cab of the truck, and then rolls the truck over in the middle of the road. Oh my gosh. Mind you, we're there. We do this every day for a living, so we know what to expect. Now, thankfully, my guy had had loaded the truck up, and he had actually walked around to the other side. And was and he wasn't under the truck, wasn't near the truck, didn't get hit. I mean, it, it wiped out our truck. It wiped out the customer's vehicle. I mean, took the, it was a Dodge truck. Took the whole side of the Dodge truck off off the vehicle. I mean, just just careened. Wow. Yeah, and I was like. And there you go. So the question is, what about you should be? So if you were in a Honda Civic, see, that's not going to be a good result. That's the, that's not going to be a good end of the day. So if you had been outside, right. you know, 40 feet away, odds are you'd be fine. But, you know, if you're injured, what are you going to do? You know, if you, if it's if it's pouring rain, you know, it's lightning, thunder, you know, you're not going to want to stand out there in the rain. So. You got to kind of make a judgment call on that. I, I recommend, you know, if it's a if it's a wreck, if you're in a wreck and it's a it's a severe collision, get out. Absolutely, get out of the car. You don't know if that thing's going to catch on fire. I mean, gas leaks, nope. gas leaks on exhaust. You've seen it. You know, um, batteries yep. batteries compromised. They short out. Sparks happen. Things catch on fire. And if you're in a car, getting you know, it only takes a few seconds before you can't get out of the car. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, exiting the vehicle is good. You know, if it's a if it's a minor collision, you can pull your car off into the parking lot. And if it's a front collision, you really don't want to be sitting behind the steering wheel because in case the airbag just suddenly decides to deploy, which does happen, just because just because it didn't go off in the collision doesn't mean it won't go off later because the sensor could move a little bit, it could be just on its edge, and then it could short out and boom, that bag goes off in your face. That's a pretty uh, scary incident. I've seen that happen. I've been there when 
that you'll be sitting there and all of a sudden the bag just deploys. And and nobody's around. You know, you know, nobody's near the car and all of a sudden, boom. And why did it go off? Well, something triggered it to go. Or it charged and who knows, and it decided to go, you know, something disconnected at that point in time. So, yeah, I mean, exiting the vehicle is a good thing. You know, if if you're if you're in a safe place and you know you're not and it's you know 110 degrees and the car runs and you know you know you're you're pretty you're just, you know you got a flat tire then odds are you'll be okay. But on the freeway you you, you want to get off the freeway as far as you can. You want to get you want to or get, or go to a ramp if you can make it to a ramp. You know, mind you, if, if you're in a severe collision, the highway patrol is going to show up there, and and the, and uh, EMS is like you said is going to show up there. But not, you know, that's going to take a few minutes. I mean, if, if somebody's, if, if there's been a collision and you're driving down the road trying to avoid the collision because nobody's there yet and somebody else is behind you looky-looing and you slow down and they rear-end you, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that. that's, that's, there you are. You're not, now you're like, great, I was just trying to get through here and now I'm in a wreck, you know? Um Number they call that a secondary collision. That's a, their number one concern today. You know, if the if the road has a has a has an attractive nuisance or a, 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 a an incident that will cause people to get distracted and it causes another incident, it just delays everything ten times. So well, normally, yeah, I mean, if, normally, yeah. Well, ahead, what what I've seen on those looky loos, the one that we call, you know, you you always have the gawkers, and uh, you know they'll slow way down, and then you've got a a bunch of traffic coming behind you. They don't know you slowed down to take a look at that, and then you got this train wreck coming through. You got three or four or five cars bump 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 because at seventy five eighty mile an hour, these vehicles are covering a lot of territory in a short period of time. If you've got a person slowed down to 45 to look at a wreck on the side of the road, which I have seen, um, but I've gotten a habit where I don't even look at the wreck. I say, well, I can read about it in the paper. i got to watch out for these fools around me and see who's paying attention and who's not. And um, it, 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 that's, that's my concern going, by, going past a collision on the side of the road. Now, i got another question for you. All right, if you're going to exit the vehicle, do you exit and of course, you you get out of the car. You got to check see what damage is done. Blah 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 blah. Uh, you get on the off side of the freeway. I mean, off side of the car uh, in the desert, preferably. All right, and then you have to think. All right, if somebody comes in and hits this car, is it going to throw this car over on top of me? So do I need to be behind this vehicle, uh, thirty forty feet? Do I need to be behind it, off the road? Uh, you know, of course, you better get off the road. But it, do I need to be behind it, uh, you know, like uh, 40, 50 feet? I've got all the emergency flares in the trunk, but there's no trunk anymore. It's all jammed together. So, uh, you know, if, do I have emergency lights? Well, uh, I don't know. If you turn it on, the rear end is knocked off of it. No, you're probably not going to have any emergency light to let anybody know that you're even there. Uh this is what I would do. This is what I would do on a case like that. I'd go back behind the car. I wouldn't stay out in front so they could hit you like they're playing croquet. And I wouldn't stay the side because you don't know which direction that car is going to go when it comes off the road. And I would be back about 40, 50 feet back and off the road. What do you recommend? No, you're exactly right. When, when, when a car is struck... Um, the dynamics are, are, 
are incredibly interesting um, because you, when when you go when you approach a wreck site like we do, you you'll look at the position of the vehicles and then you'll try and figure out well which way were they coming because just because they're pointed in, a, in one direction doesn't mean that was the way they were coming. They car spin around, they tip upside down, they they do all kinds of weird things. Um, just because uh, the way the way the impact collision occurs, and I know there's a science behind it, but you know when you're there trying to move the car, you you just look at them and go, "Wow, that's interesting." But you're right; you need to be behind the vehicle because odds are, if if it was a direct, if it was somebody got over, like you were off the side of the road, off the shoulder, and somebody fell asleep and they they it dead hit the back of your car, it's going to go ninety percent straight forward. But that's not what happens. People are driving down the road, and they they swerve over for whatever reason. Maybe there was something in the road. Maybe they thought they saw something, or maybe they – who knows? They weren't paying attention. And they clip it. They clip the car or the vehicle, you know, the trailer or the boat or the truck. And then then they – then the the dynamics come into play. So the, So the – Vehicle that struck the parked vehicle goes shooting off one direction, and and your vehicle now goes spinning some other direction. Um, and yeah, it can go straight, it can go sideways, it can go anywhere. Odds are it's not going to go backwards. You're right. Odds are it's not going to go backwards. Um, and odds are you're not going to get. You know, you're not going to. You're going to be out of the path. And and the thirty forty feet is a good idea um, because. When the collision occurs, you got to remember that it's just—it's not just the car in completely intact that's going to be moving. Once that car, once the once the vehicles are struck, now parts are flying. So there's glass, there's there's lights, there's plastic, there could be metal. You know, there's there's all kinds of things that come flying off the car that you know aren't designed to be. You know, have in its normal course, it's not designed to have be rear-ended, so it's it, so the glass is not normally ready to to stay in its spot. So, although car manufacturers do a good job, I give them credit for this. The um, things come flying off. You know, mirrors. You hit a mirror. Um, they sideswipe the mirror, and it just goes it goes flying off into the middle of nowhere. Or parts from the vehicle that collided into your vehicle go flying off. Um, so you know they maybe they have a maybe they're a truck driving down the road and and they've got all this stuff on there you know they're hauling you know all every belonging on the planet and they have a collision or they roll over that stuff goes flying and generally speaking it's going to go in the direction that that they're moving so yeah if you're back a ways that really helps out plus you know you get a you get a bird's eye view and at least you're sitting there going wow I'm glad I wasn't sitting in that car. Um, it can be very, very scary. It can be very scary. Like I said, the, my driver, okay. he walked away, you know, he he calls me, literally, he calls me. It was like 9 o'clock at night, and, you know, I'm like, he, he explains to me what's going on. And mind you, he's done this for 15 years, and he's, he is losing his cookies. He is just going nutsoid. I'm like, hey, relax, stop. Let's calm down. Let's figure out what's going on. Are you hurt? You need an ambulance. I mean, uh, I know you need a laundry service, but do you need an ambulance right now? So, um, (laughs) so yeah, so that kind of stuff is, and you know, you have to think about that. You have to think about what's going to occur. You know what I mean? Practice makes perfect. You know, get out of the car and think about what what you're going to where where what's you know 
run the scenario in your head. What what happens if I if I if I go here? Don't get on the phone and start Facebooking people going, My car broke down, you know, what do I do now? You know, before you do that, get out of the way. Get get yourself out of the way where you're safe. Then you can then you can worry about right. texting your friend. Well, you know, I've seen the um, I've I've seen used to run a rodeos, and I used to do a lot of towing out on the freeways to different parts of the state, out of state stuff. And I've seen a lot of that stuff. And the one thing, even in Tucson, you'll 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 drive by, and uh, somebody will have a rear end collision, and uh, you'll see them out in front of the first vehicle, the ones hitting the rear end. They'll be standing right in front of the car writing on the hood about the for the insurance papers and all of that stuff and uh so when i pull in i'll say hey uh i really highly recommend you don't stand in front in case somebody else piles into you then it, you, it's going to run you over before you can move it, it you you just it's going to make matters worse so why don't you stand back behind it get, go up back about 30 40 feet Stand over to the side. You can scribble down a phone number, write bigger if you can, if you want the number to go across, and uh, you can stand there and talk. But the other thing is, people get irate when they uh, somebody runs into them. And boy, I'm gonna tell you something. It's history at that point, and there ain't nothing you're gonna do except try to get the vehicles off the road, try to get EMS there if needed. You don't have time to lose your cool. And I am sure that if you probably questioned that person that hit you in the back end, he really didn't mean it. He didn't do it to try to kill you. But if you don't get off of that darn road and protect yourself, that car can be replaced. That's what Frontier Towing is doing. That's what, uh, you know, they'll get the parts out and Spectre Minor Road can put it back together. But your life uh, is a little more important. Well, my life is more important than that vehicle I'm sitting in. You know, you tear that thing up, I call the insurance company and say, hey, guess what, and explain it to them. But if you're dead because you're stupid, and I, I use that word openly, if you're stupid enough to stand in front of that car, you need to do a checkup from a neck up and say, hey, what happens if another vehicle runs into us? Because I have seen it. I've seen a minivan, uh, not a minivan, but a full-size van run into the side of a car that was sitting on the opposite lane coming back from, I was coming back from Phoenix. They were going to Phoenix, and they were just, uh, there was a, a van. Their traffic wasn't that heavy. Why this van hit this guy parked on the side of the road with his blinkers going, because i seen it. That van come down, and I don't know if he was daydreaming or what. But Phoenix, the road, he didn't even have anybody around him. And he hit that car right in the hind end, right on the side. He went up on two wheels. I thought he was coming across the median. And that van bounced, run out across about halfway across that uh, three-lane road. And then it come back down on two wheels. And he was able to get it over to the right-hand side. But that's the closest I've ever seen to a, a full-size van getting ready to roll down the freeway. And I, you look at it and go, why? How in the world? That's, that's like his 18-wheeler. For an 18-wheeler to do something like uh, Jim was talking about, I'm going, these are professional drivers. They're the guys that you say, okay, well, I can just, I'll just, I'll, uh, it, it's raining awful hard, and I'm going to try to, 
I'm going to I'm going to just kind of follow this 18 wheeler. How about the dust storms while we're talking about this? Yes. Oh, that's your baby. Let me follow up with one thing about the, the angry guy. The guy is angry, you know, when he's in a collision. But you're you're right. If you're the standing in front of the car is is happens because of a false sense of security. You're standing in front of the car because you think you know the the car is blocking the path of of you know of you getting injured. Well, yeah, that'd be fine if it was a bicycle that rear-ended your car. But if it's anything else, that it's a holy, it's it's not going to be it's not going to be good. And you're right. The, um, you want to take precautions, so you can be mad that your car got wrecked, not that somebody's going to your funeral. Because if you're mad that your car got wrecked, at least you're still alive to make sure that you can complain that your car got wrecked. So, yeah, stand up. Right. So, dust storms. So, the dust storm thing is, is it, it's bad. It, some, I don't know, a few years ago, if you remember, there was, um, they had really bad dust down by um between down by um between um Bowie and San Simone. So a a property owner had taken a section of land and we're probably talking, you know, two hundred acres. It was a pretty good size. It might even be more than that, um of of land and they they were gonna clear it for, for planting. I don't know if they were gonna put trees or they were gonna put uh, some some type of, of of crop on there. And it was right next to the interstate. So they, they removed the, the natural vegetation, and the winds came. And the dust storms came, and it was, it was just like a wall of dust. You couldn't see anything. And there was, on occasion, no less than 15 fatal collisions over the course of the time for them trying to figure out what to do with this. They actually came in and had to top coat this property with, uh, with um, like a chemical, like a a plastic chemical to keep the dust down because it was so bad because collisions were happening all the time because the dust would come up and there was just complete wall. You couldn't see anything. Now, the recommendation is you pull off the side of the road, um, and there's big signs of this in New Mexico. You pull off the side of the road, get your foot off the brake so that somebody doesn't follow you to the side of the road and crash into you because they're going to see your brake lights thinking, it's okay to follow that guy because I can see him and he's on the road, but you pulled off the side of the road, you cut your foot on the brake, and boom, they rear-end you. So get off the side of the road and, then, and take your foot off the brake. Now, exiting the car, you know, if it's so dusty out there that nobody can, you can't see anybody, nobody can see you, you know, if that, that, you, you don't want to get out of your car and then get ran over because somebody can't see you in the dirt. You know, you got to take your chances on that one. Um, but because um, there's, because there's, you know, it's, it's, it's just basically a blinding wall. Um I mean, the ones I went to down there, because they called everybody, um, there were ambulances that were wrecked. Tra- I mean, I think a dozen tractor trailers that were wrecked, uh, cars galore. Um, and it was just it was just because the, the dirt was so thick, you, nobody could see anything. And it comes up, and the wind just comes up really fast, and you couldn't, and you couldn't avoid it. So, um, right, right. Okay, well, I understand. Uh, Andrew, did you say we have a caller? Uh, yeah, we got Robert on line one right now. Okay, let's let's bring on Robert. Robert, good morning. Welcome to ESPN Radio. Uh, good morning. Uh, a little segue back to your electric uh, 
to, uh, what you were discussing on the electric vehicles. Uh, mm-hmm. you, your show uh, has convinced me. I own a uh, small drilling company, and we bought five uh, diesel trucks. And, man, when I listen to your show, it makes me tired. The filters, the fluids, the parts, everything that needs maintenance. And the maintenance is killing us. It's over 200%. And this is not uh, – this overhead is not from uh, salaries of chiefs. Well – uh, our main thing is we want to get some electric trucks. We're mid-range. Uh, that We don't haul down the highway heavy-duty, long-range. We want medium-duty trucks. Well, we can buy some. They're five to six months ordering them from Ford out, uh, and they're $100,000, 110 something like that. So we've been to Freightliner. We've been to Volvo to get their trucks, and they are available, these mid-range trucks. Guess what they cost? Four hundred thousand dollars. This is ridiculous. Yes, you're correct. I have an electric uh, vehicle. I got it from Jim Click Ford. It uh, was a very reasonable price. It runs flawlessly. It's maintenance free. And uh, but uh, what they are gouging us for these trucks. I don't know if they expect the government to come out, and it probably will. And with uh, maybe a hundred thousand dollar rebate or something to make some. Well, even that doesn't make it reasonable. But it will be a long time before Volvo Freightliner, which is owned by Mercedes, uh, come down to reasonable prices. So let me ask you a quick question. I don't, even, the, I don't the, even know what reasonable prices is. I think they've hyped this thing up. Now, Jim, you know what it costs to maintain a fleet of big trucks, okay? I don't. I know they're super expensive. I know what it is to maintain a uh, Cummins diesel, okay? But as far as these big trucks, especially when you're working them, so maybe you can shed a little bit of light on this. Do you have any insight on the electric vehicles? I know you're tracking them. Uh, you have any recommendations or input on this? Well, the question I had, sir, is um, the vehicles you were looking at, were they hybrid or were they full electric? Full electric. Oh, Volvo has them out, and Freightliner does. I am in Tucson, Arizona. I went to the place on Benson Highway and the other location for the Freightliner. Yeah. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure. They have both. They they used to have both. I I think the electric. What did what did they estimate the annual cost for the charging was? That was my question. Because I could. Oh, uh, we don't worry about that because we're local. Most trucks, and that's why the electric trucks have a history back to 1907. And they, uh, it's you always take your local with the electric truck. The take your diesel for the long range. Most of us have local. Uh, we can service something within 150 miles so no problem we plug it in at night and uh, run it out during the day so a uh, charging is not a problem just like my car i've never been to a well one charger down in nogales i was too but normally i just charge it in my garage and we would do the same here in our shop we would charge them at night because we're medium uh, range Right, I understand that. But did they give you a cost? What the what the cost to the what the electric cost would be to charge? Is oh, it, we don't even worry about that. I like like my electric bill at home. I it, I can't tell the difference hardly between uh, when I drive the ten twelve thousand miles a year in this car or don't. Uh, that's small. The electric is less than the diesel, and it's the maintenance okay. we want to get rid of. 
Oh, well, you're, you're still going to have tires and brakes, but you're right. Oil, fil- filters and, and oil uh, and death. Oh, my God. Diesel emission fluid. They'll, it'll kill you. That, that yep. Diesel emission fluid, that's 25% of the cost of, of gas right off the bat. Um, oil oil and, and lubes, you know, if you take it to the shop, if you take your medium duty there, it's $300 to get the oil changed. Exactly. And yeah, so we had them on off time servicing these at our shop themselves, but it's still costing us quite a bit, and that's why we look forward to electric. So I just thought I'd make this comment that it will be a while when they're four hundred thousand. And what is reasonable? I would say the price of a diesel times one and a half, and a diesel I could buy a truck for a hundred hundred ten thousand. So why do I have to pay four hundred thousand for an electric and for a mid range? truck, a mid-duty truck, I should say, not yeah, the I mean, semis running down the uh, street. So I just thought I'd call in with that comment. It's going to be a while. Oh, no, you're right. They, the pricing on them is, is, is ginormous. And you're looking, you were looking at Freightliner like the little M2 business class truck, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That medium-duty okay. truck, yeah. And if you order them from Ford, the F six fifty, F seven fifty, yeah, you can get them for about a hundred grand. But it's five to six months in the factory. I don't know what they did during COVID. Laid their people off. I mean, it's ridiculous. Five to six months for a truck, and they don't have any in stock. Anyway, you, you 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 make a great point. We actually, I I couldn't believe this, but Ford actually called us and wanted us to truck stuff from Albuquerque to Tucson because there were no F five fifties in in the state of Arizona. No F five fifty, the most popular medium duty truck, and there's not in the in the state. Right, we heard there's one in Colorado, one in New Mexico, and one in Arizona. Yeah, this is not inventory, man. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like, and so people, I mean, and you're right, it's six months right now. It's a six-month, minimum six months. If you put the order in today, it's six months before you're going to get it. So you're looking yep. at October before before you can see it hit the floor. Well, then you got to put your body on, and you got to do all the other work that you have to do to make the thing go. So now it's 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 nine months, you know, it's nine months into it before before you can put the thing into service. But you get Yeah, by it. then we could do a conversion on a truck almost, and I'm... Uh, that's meant as a, we're not going to get in the conversion business. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, but that's super great wow. information. I really appreciate that, sir. That's, um, okay. Um, well, good I, I knew they were pricey. I, I hadn't, I hadn't breached that because it's, it's really hard for us to run because we have to run far. Um, so it's, you never know where you're going to tow to. So if you, if you're towing, you know, somebody gets in the car and you, for us, they break down and they want to go to Phoenix. We're going to go to Phoenix, and I, I don't. I don't know that in advance. They don't tell us that in advance, so we just have to go or or Nogales or Douglas or wherever. You know, you got to be prepared to be able to take that. That's one of the reasons why we never looked at the. Well, I shouldn't say never looked. I've looked at them because they're kind of a they're kind of a neat deal, but they're quiet. They're nice. I give you that. They're they're pollution free, but. Wow. Well, you're still going to pay for the ride. You're still going to pay the big bucks. Uh, I know they did away with the 75. I know they did away with the 7,500 tax credit for electric vehicles. Uh, I don't know if they're going to bring that back. Uh, 
But I do know that there's nothing stupid about the automotive manufacturers. If the government's going to give me $7,500 or going to charge me, the taxpayer, $7,500 so you can drive that truck, uh, I'm going, okay, well, uh, maybe that price of that truck has inflated a little bit because, oh, by the way, Jerry got an additional $7,500. He won't really care if we jack the price up on this thing, you know, a couple of 3000 because he still made you know, 4000 bucks off the deal by just buying this vehicle. That's been my complaint ever since electric cars have come out. I'm saying if you're going to, if you're going to give $7,500 for this state of the art equipment to come out, why isn't the investors, why isn't the stock market, why, why aren't those guys putting this vehicle out? Why do I, the taxpayer and everybody else that pays taxes, why do I have to pay Jerry $7,500 so he can go out and uh, buy one of these cars, these little electric cars. Uh, that is, to me, never has made sense. But then again, I'm not I'm not the one that's ramrodding these things. But um, electric vehicles, you know, trains have been running diesel over electric forever. And uh, they, they pull, they work well. Electric motor is very, very stout. Uh, you look at the, um, the light duty trucks, the light duty trucks. Dodge is coming out with one in 2000, I think 2022, 2023, but it's going to be an F, it's going to be a 1500 series. And then you got, uh, General Motors that's coming back out with their electric vehicle and their medium sized pickups. And, you know, nobody knows the prices on those are going to be expensive as a son of a gun. Uh, I don't know what the F-150 2022 price is because I Googled it and I can't come up with a price anywhere. So I know they're going to be expensive. I know the hybrid F-150 is expensive. But when's the last time you bought a half-ton truck? You know, Chevrolet, Ford, or any of them. They're all expensive. They're ridiculous. And um, so I, I don't... Uh, you know, Robert, I, I I feel sorry for you, buddy, because owning Simmons Ford before and seeing commercial guys come in there with the medium-sized trucks and knowing what their expenses are by the time you run a full service on one, especially if you have tires broken or you have drive shafts ripped out, uh, yeah, they're very expensive just to run them. And how in the world you guys stay in business with the price of diesel fuel up where it's at? Uh, even Jim, you know, I don't – I just – you know, good luck. Uh, electric vehicles, I think that once, yeah, just like the cars, once everybody starts making these big vehicles, I think the price will come down dramatically. But right now, supply and demand. You know, if you're willing to wait six months to get a medium-sized truck, uh, okay. Well, you know, the manufacturer says, well, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's fine, that's fine. We're still going to charge for it. We're still going to charge heavy for it. They're going to go what the market will bear. And uh, with uh, the construction industry right now, it, especially in Tucson, Arizona, it's heavy. It's really heavy. I mean, the houses are selling, new construction. You can't drive 10 miles without running across a housing development. And I I feel sorry for you guys because the thing that you're going to have to do is just like a rest of them in business is going to do, you're going to have to jack your prices. You know, I have a, a service that comes in and cleans a dumpster once a week. It has a $10, no, $17 EPA charge. I called them up and said, what the heck's an EPA charge? And they says, well, it's a, like a fuel service charge. Oh, okay, well, why don't you call it a fuel service charge? But um, 
I I don't, you know, I haven't researched these big boys. I do know that Volvo has one. Uh, and as far as the rest of them coming out, I'm sure that the rest of the technology these guys are after with all manufacturers trying to come up with uh, electric vehicles. Will electric vehicles ever replace 100% to stuff on the road? Nope. It won't. It won't do it. Not in my lifetime, that's for sure. But I don't expect them to come in and just dominate like uh, like people are thinking they're going to do. You know, they're going to come out. I think by 2035, they're supposed to be 70% of the American cars are going to be electric by 2035. Well, this is 2021, so we've got a couple of years yet to go. And then some of them have moved it from 2045 to have electric vehicles in their state, especially California, by 2035. They moved that in uh, 10 years. Uh, so the technology is there. Uh, the infrastructure is there. The federal government's going to put in six six hundred six sixty thousand new uh, stations that you can plug in. I think that, that may be six hundred uh, thousand. But uh, electric uh, plug-ins for servicing electric vehicles. So I know that's coming. Um, but as far as these big trucks, I'm waiting to see what's going to come out and how they're actually going, the cost factor is going to run. Because if you're spending $400,000 for a, uh electric vehicle, and that's a lot of oil services and stuff on a vehicle that you can buy for 150000 That's a lot. That's, and that's diesel a lot also. fuel is ex- – go ahead, Robert. What I was going to say, Jerry, was, uh, you know, one of the things about the electric is um, I I get it. It doesn't need any oil changes, but, you know, it still needs maintenance. What do you do when the electric motor fails? Uh, You're probably going to have to go buy another truck because as expensive as these things are, everything in the automotive industry, as you know, has gone module. So uh, it's just like a lot of the engines for some of the cars. You don't repair an engine, you pull it out and put a new engine in it. And I'm thinking right. that that's probably the way these big ones are going. So so, uh, so the aftermarket guys, you know, are they going to allow them access to the to the software and the and the the uh, training to work on these? I mean, it's you're talking about full electric. We're talking about you know. A, Basically forklifts um, or or haul trucks, you know. Basically, you have to have uh, now. You need an electrical engineer on this thing to work on the computer system and to run the batteries in the and the uh, and the motor, you know. And, and again, they're gonna, they're. It's not like they're not going to fail. Electric motors fail. They have bearings that fail. They have windings that fail. Um, connections that fail. I can't imagine what the corrosion in the Northeast would do. You know, I mean, how much? What, what's the corrosion going to be like? Is there, you know, is, when if, if there's if there's a lot of corrosion, is it protected? Or you know, are the are they, if the car sits, is it gonna is the salt air gonna gonna you know make the motor not work? You you know you and I both know we live in Arizona. You know what swamp coolers look like. You know what the swamp cooler motor looks like after a season. Is that what's going to happen in, right. in certain states? I mean, so. 
to me, there's a whole there's a whole other area of just uh, okay, great. Now now how do how do we work on electric cars? You were asking me how do we disable them? Oh yeah, it's great. But how do you fix it? You know, and and is is Toyota or Volvo or or Ford going to let you have access to that? Because Tesla doesn't. Well, uh, I don't think it's going to be mainly the only thing that the manufacturers have to give you access to by law is anything that has to do with the emissions. Well, you're running a zero-emission vehicle. So right. how much information are we going to get in the automotive industry? I don't know. I do know there's already classes out there for electric vehicles, for the automotive independent repair shops and facilities. There's a lot of classes out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you don't see but uh, one hybrid a year or two or three hybrids a year, uh, very, you know, you can work on that little gasoline motor. That's mainly the reason we see them because the electric is still fine. But um, there's a difference in working on that little uh, engine, that little 1.0 engine or 47 horsepower or whatever they have in the little small ones. But the information on those, we can't even get full information on a gas burner unless it has an emissions, a direct related emissions. And then we can get enough information on that to get it down to the stage to where, oh, there is a special program that you have to go to the dealership to have put in that computer that is not, emission, quote, not emissions related. Therefore, you only only place you can get it done is the dealer. And that's with having all of the dealer uh, from Ford, from Chrysler, from GM, their handheld computers, analyzers, and stuff like that. That's supposed to have the ability to uh, reprogram these computers. And even with the state-of-the-art equipment like Simmons has, like Automotive Specialist has, uh, we still run into that little roadblock. And it's very annoying, but it's uh, yeah, it's just the way they – it's proprietary information – uh, that's one of the reasons that we don't work on BMWs. That's one of the reasons we don't work on Mercedes is because most of the stuff that we need is proprietary information. And when you have to buy a $2,000 subscription or a $200 one-time call, uh, how are you going to price that out to the consumer? When, they, when they're not expecting it, you're not expecting you're going to have to make that call. And then you call John Doe up and say, okay, John, well, we've worked on your car, but we've got, we're running into a roadblock and we're going to have to uh, take this thing in and to a dealership in order to get it programmed. And by the way, that's an additional 200 bucks or we had to go in and subscribe to this dealership or company, uh, manufacturer in order to get the information on your vehicle because the current 2021 updates that we have on all of our uh, equipment, uh, analyzers and stuff, doesn't cover that because it's, quote, proprietary information. So it creates a headache for automotive repair industry, the independents. And uh, so we, it's like wait and see, wait, wait and see. But we don't normally see a brand-new vehicle to about three years, about three years, 36000 after the warranty, the original warranty expires. And so we've had a chance to get trained and brought up to date before we ever see these vehicles by constant training. And if you're in the auto repair industry, you just like frontier towing. If Jim, if you didn't stay up on top of this stuff, you would be hurting 
You absolutely don't have an option. You either get in business or you get out of business. It's that simple anymore as far as the educational training that you've got to have. That's correct. You either get in it or get out. And and that's the thing about the cars. You know, if you if you think that you're going to probably do brakes on your as a consumer, do brakes on your electric car, think again because the whole the braking system is entirely different than it, than it used to be. It's it's all electric. Oh, yeah. It's regenerative. There's a lot of things that go into it. So you know, going to checker and buying brake pads probably isn't going to be an option anymore for your electric car. You know, granted, you're not going to have to change water pumps and, and coolant, but air conditioning, yeah, it's all electric now. You know, are you, you know, yep. power steering is electric. It's electric motors. You know, you, you, like you said, Jerry, you got to have all that super expensive equipment. I don't even know how you guys afford it. I I used to have Cummins software. One, I had it for a while, and it was just, like you said, it was twenty five hundred dollars every year. Just, just, and if you don't buy the software, if you don't buy the updates, they lock you out. You can't even continue to look at your stuff that you were looking at a year ago because you didn't buy the update. I'm like, come on. Exactly. I already paid for it. I didn't buy a new truck in one year. Nope. You're locked out. So uh, if, you, if you think you're going to work on this stuff yourself, it's going to be challenging. That that new that new stuff well, is going to be challenging. It is, goodbye carburetors. And that stuff's long gone. That's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, I feel, you know, uh, Robert, he's staying on top of it. He's after it. He knows what he's looking for. And uh, but I would put a pencil to it and find out where you're going to be at down the road about four years, three years. Uh, but uh, that's what he probably has a good CPA for. They can help him put the numbers to it. Because when you dig into it, I dug into it on whether or not to buy a gas burner or diesel. And this was when I had my, bought an 06. I purchased a Dodge diesel in 06. At that time, I had to run 125,000 miles to get the benefit of the difference in the fuel economy from the gas burner to the diesel. I needed to run that diesel, and the diesel prices had to stay stable, too. But I had to run it 125,000 miles in order just to realize that, all right, now I'm actually going to save a couple of bucks on fuel or gasoline because I'm running this diesel. But it took 125,000 miles and a $6,000 hit up front when I bought that diesel over a gas burner. Yep. You can buy a lot and, of gasoline for that. And the the well, oil it, changes, you know, the oil, there's, there's, there's not five quarts in a diesel. You know, there, there's three gallons. Ooh. <laughs> yep. And and the filter. The filter isn't you know, this little filter that's that's, you know, two inches tall and, and, and two inches in diameter, that thing is fourteen inches long and six inches in diameter. Oh wait, there's fuel filters. Yep. Oh wait, there's and it, staff. And oh. it's not three dollars or eight dollars. That's not three dollars. No, they're very $3. expensive. Yeah, it's it's forty five dollars. Oh wait, there's a there's mm-hmm. a particulate filter. You know, if it if it fails it's thirteen thousand dollars. You know, there's there's sensors on the mm-hmm. exhaust that get corroded from the death. They, there there there's pressure sensors that fail all the time. And what's the first thing that happens? D-rate. So the car will run, but you can only go two miles an hour. We tow right. trucks every single day. D-rate, D-rate, D-rate. Oh, great. And so that is to back to the dealership. Yep. Plug in the computer. Change out the three hundred dollar part or the five hundred dollar part because. They're all $500 parts on a, on a truck these days. There isn't anything that's, that's $50 on a truck. 
<laughs> not, not, there, there isn't anything you can't buy on a track. Every time I look at the invoices, and trust me, we have a lot of them that come from Inland Kenworth, from Velocity Freightliner, from RWC. Every one of them is, is $300, $400. Power steering gearboxes are $1,500 plus a core. Uh, it just, it's, you know, but fan hubs, fan hubs are $4,000. $4,000 for fan hubs. Turbochargers are $2,500 plus a trip to the dealer to have it calibrated because you got to have it calibrated or it won't work. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you, you look at them and go, my God. Yeah, it, it's it's challenging out there when you run trucks. It really is. Oh, yeah. Well, I just... My my heart goes out to anybody, especially Robert. With the, he's looking to those electric vehicles, and he runs a fleet, and uh, he's like a, the other guys that own fleets anymore. And by the way, prices are not going down on automotive. No, the prices for the parts you're, you're talking about five hundred dollar minimum on these things. I I had the privilege about a year ago of being there at the front counter, standing there drinking my coffee, watching the guys work, and. Um, this little part come in, and Ken picked it up, and he held it up, and he says, how much do you think this little part's worth? I said, eh, well, at today's rates, probably anywhere from 70 to $125, $345. That little son of a gun, wasn't, it was about half as big as a what I remember a pack of cigarettes to be, maybe a third that size. Is electronic. It's all electronic, and that was uh, going on a customer's vehicle. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. But you know, it, I I don't even complain when I send my Mustang in to have it worked on. I don't even complain <laughs> about the part. I don't even ask them about the parts prices because I know it can't be what they are. And uh, but hey, I'm, we're running out of time. I got to get uh, these other guys mentioned on here. Automotive specialist. Uh, that's Brian Fuller. Brian, unfortunately, uh, sad to report that Brian lost his dad last Saturday, unannounced. In other words, you didn't have any real problems that would uh, put you on alert. But uh, my heart goes out to he and his family. Condolences from me and Jim from Frontier Towing to Brian's family. Uh, and I wish him only the best, and I'm so sorry for his loss. That was his dad, Vern Fuller. Uh, but you take Brian, Brian, he's still, I run across him and he was actually in his business the other day and, uh, he's, he's, he's beat up pretty good, but, uh, Fuller, Brian Fuller, owner, automotive specialist, 3611 West Iron Road, suite 101. They are still open. Uh, they're going to motor on through this, uh, issue and, uh, Brian's, uh, business number is 572-1734. Brian's cell number. Two three seven thirty eight fifty two. Uh, when I seen him, he looked like a guy that had aged about ten years. And uh, having lost my dad, I know exactly why. But it doesn't make it any the better, or any it just doesn't make it better. But Mister Test first, don't guess, and I will pass that on to you again. Please test your vehicles before you start repairing them. Uh, you know, Google's a nice place to go if you know what you're going for. Okay. But you can go in and you can Google a problem and you'll get at least 10, maybe 15 different answers to that. Then it becomes which one is correct. And, and then you'll replace one part and it, 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 something else caused it to fail. 
So when you're doing that stuff, if that's not your day job, you may want to consider at least getting it tested out. And automotive specialist and Simmons is pretty good at just giving you a real test on it. Uh, the problem with the testing, if we do a test and it comes up with uh, what we think it is, you get down into a flow chart on testing a vehicle and it say, in order to continue the test, you must replace known bad part. Well, you replace a known bad part only to find out there's a few other little things that's not operating too. So it does get into the high-tech industry, and that's something that you'd want to get done professionally. Um, then if you're looking for a car, lensautobrokerage.com. LensAutoBrokerage.com. They do have diesels. They do have gas-burning trucks. Uh, they have the mid-range diesels, of course, one tons and down. <coughs> and they've got about every kind of car you can look at. But go to the website, LensAutoBrokerage.com or LensAuto. Just uh, You can find it as a nice website. All of his inventory is put up there. Uh, and you can find what you're looking for. And Brian says, if you can't find what you're looking for, call them and they'll find it for you. They are auto broker. They, you can buy a new car from them. Uh, they're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 7, Saturday, 8 to 4, or whenever you get through shopping. They won't go out and lock the doors and leave you inside. Uh, they're located at 2101 North Stone Avenue, 628-7500. Tell them Simmons sent you. Uh, Frontier Towing, I can't say enough about you guys, uh, Jim. You know, you have been excellent service forever. You tow it all, from smart cars to 18-wheelers. And now I know you're going to correct me because you say smart cars don't go on the back of tow vehicles. Is that correct? Smart, there are no smart cars on the tow truck. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, all right. All they're, all dumb, uh, they're all website. dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your website? I have uh, a, a website that looks like twice as long as it needs to be because I went in and did the short version and it come up. FrontierTowing.com, will that get you? That'll get it, yep. All right, FrontierTowing.com. And I have seen your vehicles in action. I've seen the one that you brought out for search and rescue because we do operate off the road. And uh, once again, thank you so very much for being part of search and rescue and helping us out with that training, how to work around. We train how to work around horses uh, for SAMSAR, and you train how to work around towing and buddy i'm telling you that information was absolutely invaluable it was real good i sure do appreciate that man well you're very uh, always a pleasure all right thank you sir uh merle's auto parts uh jim deals with them i deal with them brian deals with them uh merle's is uh, the largest independently owned uh, uh operated in southern arizona i guess they've been around quite a while but they have vehicles or they have, have vehicles they have uh, uh stores in casa grande green valley sierra vista Sa uh safford marinci and globe i think they may have closed down they did close down safford so they got a Marinci Globe, Casa Grande, Green Valley, and they make daily runs to the big wirehouse. They have foreign, domestic, and even 18-wheeler repair parts, you know, the common things like brakes and injectors and stuff like that that would cause them to break down. Um, and so I am, that that gets me through my advertising. The guys that bring this sponsorship actually make Simmons Car Care Show available to you. So thanks to all you guys. Um, all right, we got we got about uh, three minutes, 
two minutes, three minutes, something like that. Uh, you know, Andrew will come on and tell me, I'm sure. And what else? What? Uh, I got a couple of minutes left. Okay, this is going to be hot and heavy. Um, it's going to be 90 degrees today, 93 tomorrow. You got heat, you got tires. You got heating, and Jim's already said, heating and tires on the freeways is what he goes out most for. Uh, the tires can be prevented unless you run across a nail or a piece of crap on the freeway. But you've got to check your tire. Check the DOT rating on the tire or dates on the tires to make sure it's a little circle, got DOT in it, and it has uh, like it'll have four digits. It'll have 20, 20, okay? It was made on the 20th week. 2020, that's what it's going to tell you. If you've got around 5,000 miles on that car in Tucson, Arizona, with the UVs that we have in the temperature, it's time to take a close look at that tire. If you don't know what you're looking at, take it to your favorite tire shop and have them to inspect the tire. And you're looking for heat, you're looking for heat cracks, and you're looking for a vehicle that don't ride quite as smooth as it used to. Um, all right, Jim, we got a minute, buddy. What do you want to leave with the consumer? What do you want to leave with the motor and the vehicle? Well, I just want to tell everybody to have a have a safe holiday, have a good, happy Easter. And I just want to reach out and tell all my crew that I really appreciate what they do for me because I would be nothing without them. Absolutely. You've got a good crew, by the way. Good crew. Appreciate it. Um, for the rest of you, uh, once again, my condolences go out to the Brian Fuller family because of his passing of his dad last Saturday. Uh, there's a Honda recall out there for 2018 to 2020, 638,000 fuel pumps. Fuel pumps will go out and leave you stranded. So if you got a Honda, 2018, 2020, call Honda dealership with a VIN number, and you see if you can't get that in. All right, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, good luck again. Thank you, Jerry. Rock.